Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad and Hafner. Hello, everybody. Trying a new intro there. Hope you you, you go, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's Matt. Hey, Matt, how are you doing, buddy? I know you're listening from afar, so... Uh, we miss you. <laughs> yeah, you've been replaced, Matt. It's yeah. wifey time. That's right. My wife is sitting across from me here doing this with me, which is so much fun. So thanks, hon, for being here. Thanks. And the reason why that is, is because today we have something I'm really excited for. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be stepping back into the background here because my voice isn't important on this. We're actually going to have a wives roundtable. And this is coming from the perspective of a wife with a husband, maybe that is battling a porn addiction and mm-hmm. there's porn in the marriage. And this is something that is so vital Um, We've had so many women approach us and talk to us about the struggles with this and and husbands as well. So we're going to come at it from a different angle today of having the ladies chat about this. And I'm excited. So we have some great guests Mm -hmm. Um, with my wife here today. We have Rosie McKinney. And we, we just absolutely love Rosie. We met her uh, maybe about a year ago, and she has a great ministry along with her husband as well called Fight for Love. And that is a book that she's written, and they have a great podcast and some support groups for women and wives, which um, is just something that we encourage you to tie into if you're listening. And so thanks, Rosie, for being here. Really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank <laughs> yeah, you for having me on. We love her accent. It's oh, amazing. I love it. I'm like, if I could just sound 1% like Rosie, I would be so much, I don't know, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we love her accent, but not only that, the wisdom she brings. So For thanks, sure. Rosie. 
And we also have Charity on mm-hmm. as well, Charity Munoz um, from Restore to More. And we just met her again a little while ago and her and her husband. And we really appreciate mm-hmm. their ministry, the wisdom that Charity brings as well. And they have a great podcast. Um, they run workshops and they also do coaching. So we really encourage you to check those out as well. Restore to More and that's Restored with uh, the number two and then more. So a great two, great two ministry served. And, um, but thanks Charity for being here with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I feel like I need an accent. I'm the one left out. You guys have Canadian A and then Rose is gorgeous. <laughs> well, so here I am. Well, you do you have, have an accent. <laughs> yeah. Like a little bit of a Californian accent. Uh, you know, I Dude. think there is a little bit of a Californian accent there. <laughs> I was like, I don't have an accent. It's called lack of an accent. Yeah. Canadians don't have accents. We have a, um, an absence of accent, <laughs> I think, actually. But anyways, I digress. Um, I'm stepping to the background now. You ladies, take it over. <laughs> well, thank you, Hubs. We really appreciate uh, you leading us into this. So um, so we'll get right into it. Um, we're going to kind of focus on discovery right now. So let's say, what do I do if I think my husband may have a porn addiction? What do I as a wife, like how do I even go about, I don't know, confronting or what do I do? Um, Rosie, why don't you start us off? I say the first thing is to breathe because um, normally... Um, I mean, some some guys do tell you that they've got a problem and this might come up, you know, as you're dating or something, it might come up as sort of that, you know, getting to know you type thing, maybe. Um, but a lot of times you just discover it and it's absolutely devastating. So I'd say the first thing you need to do is just take a massive deep breath because it is a big deal and mm-hmm. it isn't harmless. And you know that inside you, which is what freaks you out. Because even though the whole world is telling you that this is, you know, normal, normal, this is helpful for relationships, this is harmless, this is beneficial, it's empowering, it's liberating, you know, deep down, the Holy Spirit is telling you, no, this is really, really bad. This is not what I want in my marriage. So take that deep breath. And what I want to say is there is so much hope and there is so much help out there. So first Mm -hmm. off, um, because this is a scary podcast. It's a scary, um, you know, topic to talk about. So I just want to sort of front load everything with, we have got, you know, great hope for you. So what do you do? I would say the very first thing you do is you, um, start Googling, start Google, not Googling what you've been looking at, but Googling for help, for support, for wives, you know, great place. I wrote my book and I'm not just plugging it. Basically I wrote this book, which is what I'm calling a biblical battle plan for women at exactly this stage when you are freaking out, when you're like, what do I do now? Is it, is, does this mean he's a child molester? Does this mean, you know, do I need to leave him? Um, Is it really a problem? Do I just need to have more sex with him? What do I need to do? There's all these questions going through your head. And it's really, really scary. And you also think, well, I can't tell anybody because then, then they'll think that my husband's a child molester. Um, And so you are just in this panic, fear, shame spiral. So just breathe and then just look around at what resources there are, because there are some terrific resources. I went through this about 12 years ago and there was stuff, but there wasn't stuff in that in-between gap. So I had to know what I was looking for. I had to know what resources to go for. But now there's stuff in between. There are all these podcasts on our website. We've got a resource page. And I think there's about 20 podcasts there all dealing with this. Um, so just go out there and 
educate yourself as much as you can. And that is going to stop the panic, stop the fear, stop the shame, because you realize that not only is this a problem that you can deal with, but that there are so many people going through it and you are not alone. You are so not alone. And this is nothing to do with you. And it's nothing to do with your attractiveness or your ability or, or your anything. And that's what you need to hear off the bat. You need to hear that there are sisters out there who are going to stand with me, you know, walk this journey with me and they know the path I need to follow. You know, I remember because my our discovery and recovery is so recent, but I remember, you know, there was a fear of even wanting to go there because you're scared that they are. And so, um, because then it's like the question of, well, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for our relationship? I don't want to go there. It seems too scary. It seems too dark. And I think there's even this gap from women even wanting to speak up because they're just afraid of what that means when they come face to face with reality and, um, and they're scared to go there. And I think their significant other is scared to go there too. And so my biggest advice would just be to speak up. I know it may sound and seem scary um, and it may seem dark, but there's so much light at the end of the tunnel like Rosie was talking about. And I wish I would have spoken up earlier because it would have led to healing faster and sooner and we would have gotten more help. So yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. I'm just kind of reliving my kind of idea. And I'm like, it's so true. Cause you're like, do I ask that question? And do I even want to know? Maybe I should just bury my head in the sand, but you know, it's, it's you're right. You just got to do it because you get healing, right? You got to ask it so you can move forward. So what do I do if he doesn't want help? So I, I have the, I take the breaths. I look at the re like I do some research on um, some resources out there. I confront him. He's like, yeah, well that's, that's men or that's what we do. What do I do? Rose, you want to start me off? Yeah. And it's totally common. I wouldn't say it's normal, but it's really, really common that you get that reaction. Sometimes you get just dismissal. Sometimes you get anger. Sometimes they even twist it and go, well, if you were more like this, mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't need to. And that just feeds into all your fears. Um, so yeah, forewarned is forearmed. Like it's quite possible that they are going to turn around and just deny, deflect, dismiss, or blame it on you. Um, and it's really hard not to completely freak out at that and take it terribly personally and go, you know, who is this man? Not only is he doing this, he's now blaming me. And, you know, it really is, it's such a, an emotional, traumatic thing. And you've done this brave step of confronting and now you've just been shot down, you know? So just to know that it's really, really common. And the reason that some guys do this, I mean, some guys are, how do I put this? Just horrible. You know, they're just, you know, some guys are just abusive and they're horrible. However, there are other guys who, um, you know, it's not their nature to, you know, be abusive to everybody in their world. That's not their thing but their brains have been addled by pornography. So mm. A, they might be trying to protect their source. So like, don't go near this. I need this. You know, my life isn't going to be worth living if I don't do this. Or their brains most likely are so scrambled that they actually believe their own lies. They actually do believe that uh, the reason they're doing this is because my wife's like this, not realizing that actually they're seeing everything through this filter of pornography. 
and they're not seeing straight. They're not seeing straight. So that's why it's really important that you get educated and forearmed and try not to take it personally. Mm. Like, because if you're, if you're, husband was doing hard drugs um you'd know it's not you it doesn't matter what he says you know you'd know this is not good for him it's not good right. for us and it's not my fault but but somehow when it's to do with pornography it all gets twisted up and you and that's why standing firm is so difficult and it's but it's so crucial as charity said it is like you know you have to confront you have to stand firm but if you do get that immediate knockback it's good to to already have you know listened to loads of wives' experience that this is what happened and it took him three months to come round, at which point I had to get into recovery on my own. But he did come round in the end. Not all guys do, but a lot do because they are freaked out. They are freaked out. If she really knew what I was up to, she's going to be off. Not understanding that, yes, the betrayal absolutely devastates us and we hate it, but it's the deception. It's the deception. And when they turn around and then try and blame us and all that mind twisting and all those games that that are being played that really, really make us want to run for the door. I I didn't realize how much um, pornography had affected me. And because, uh, again, I, there is a lack of education around porn. And for me, I think I, I came up with this analogy. It's like, Let's say, for example, you and your spouse or significant other in the car, all of a sudden um, you get in a really bad accident and he is like gushing, bleeding. Like you see him, he gets, you know, um, you can see like, okay, there's actual damage done to him, right? But let's just say, for example, there is no uh, outward looking of appearance like, oh, you're, you're fine. Like just go back home and you're not, you don't, it looks like you're good. But not knowing that there's internal bleeding going on, right? And that was part of my story is I realized that there was internal bleeding going on and I needed just as much support um, than my husband did. My husband did get help and he did get support. But it's like this analogy, if you're both in a car accident and you're both bleeding, why are you going to wait until he goes and gets surgery? Like you're bleeding too, you know, and it may not be visible, um, but inside you are hurting and, um, and it is affecting us, whether we like to admit that or not, it does affect us like Rosie was talking about. And so the biggest advice I could give is to get support, you know, to get healing, to start your own journey of recovery, because from personal experience coming out of it, the other side, and I'm still growing, I'm still learning every single day, but I love the person who's looking back in the mirror. Recovery opened up so much in me um, that I didn't even know was there. And there were so many things that I personally had to start dealing with that I didn't even know uh, was you know, blocking me in my relationship with my husband. And so at, once I started going deep and discovering other wounds and, and present wounds and present trauma and all this stuff, I mean, gosh, I, I really believe that like we were talking about earlier, you can't start healing until you start addressing those wounds and moving forward. And it's scary and it's so hard, but the sooner that I did it, the sooner that I began the healing journey to my own freedom and myself, regardless if you're going to stay with them or not, like, why wouldn't you want healing? Why wouldn't you want to be confident? Why wouldn't you want, um, you know, to just be a really healthy version of yourself. And that's what recovery has done for me personally. I just want to chime in on charity because um, when she was speaking, she reminded me that not only are you healing for yourself, but part of that is you start to learn boundaries. 
which you might not have had before. And so your question was, what do you do if your husband refuses to get help? Mm -hmm. Boundaries are the way. And they're really hard when you're in that fragile state of internally bleeding out to put those boundaries in, which is why you need other people to start speak, other people who know what they're talking about, to speak into your life and tell you to stand firm on this issue. So yes, he might be saying, this is normal. This is healthy. I'm not getting help. This is all your problem. This is all in your head. You need to um, stand firm. You need to say, nope, I've done the research. I have, you know, I know what I'm talking about, and this is not healthy for your brain. It's not healthy for our relationship. It's not healthy for me or our family or anything or helping us fulfill our potential. It's not helping in any sense. There is a hole in the boat. Whether or not you refuse to do anything about it is immaterial. I'm going to do something about this hole in the boat. I can't fix you, but I can take those boundaries to stop myself being polluted by the pornography that you're bringing into our marital bed, into our home, because it's I'm no longer going to stand silently by and just put my head in the sand about this. So, you know, I can't stop what you're doing, but I can stop, you know, I can put my own boundaries there. And it's really scary. It's really scary. But you have to, if it was a if it was your child, it would be so much easier because you go, you're doing that destructive, unhealthy mm-hmm. behavior. I need to put boundaries in. You know, you wouldn't enable, a, you know, your your son or daughter, if they were doing drugs, you wouldn't enable them. And we as wives, when we're living in that toxic, crazy environment of what's going on, because even, even women who are not aware that pornography is present in their home, they, they know something's wrong. They, mm-hmm. they're, their spidey sense is going off. They know something's wrong. So... That is that is the one thing. If if women take away, you have to you have to put those boundaries in. You know, if he get, if he gets help, your boundaries are going to be absolutely essential to recovery. And if he doesn't want recovery, they're going to be even more important because if he is entrenched and in this horrific demonic bondage, he is going to need he's going to need some serious natural consequences before he decides to take action. You know, you know, I, I read these blogs of things that women go, well, I'm just praying for him. I'm just praying for him. And it's like, yes, by all means pray, but you need to put boundaries in. He needs to be experiencing the natural consequences of doing this behavior because as Charity said, it's not just affecting him. It's making her, you know, giving her a lot of internal uh, injuries. You know, it is traumatic. And I think once you start reading the literature about betrayal trauma, all these light bulbs will go off on your head because you'll, A, you'll start to feel validated and like, I'm not crazy. He's not crazy, actually. He's addicted. I'm Mm -hmm. traumatized. We need help. And if he won't do it, I'm putting boundaries in and I'm getting help. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, and in a lot of cases, there is this sort of recovery lag. She puts the boundaries in. He starts to like, well, I don't really want to do this, but she's put boundaries in and I'll have to do something. And he goes sort of reluctantly and resentfully into recovery. And then during the process, there comes a point, like a switch where he goes, oh, actually, I didn't realize I was quite this broken. And you're telling me there's hope. So now I feel safe enough to actually look at what's going on. Because a lot of times they've tried to stop, haven't they, Charity? They've tried to stop like a billion times. You know, every anniversary, every birthday, every start of the month, they've tried again and again and again to stop and they can't. So in their mind, they're thinking, I can't stop. You know, I hear these things of other guys, but I, you know, I've tried not understanding that 
there's only one path that works. There are lots of paths out there, you know, memorize scripture, put a rubber band on your hand and snap it, all these things. Like, it's not going to work. You have to walk in the light. You have to do a full disclosure. You have to get into fellowship. You have to do a group. This is what works. So they probably tried all these other things. I mean, my husband spent like $20,000 on different recovery things that just didn't work. But they don't understand that there is a path that works. So, yeah, I just fade off. I just fade off. I get distracted. <laughs> I feel okay. like we're just ladies, right? We're just talking about And then what was I saying? What was I, I going? Sorry, I told you I had a birthday. I'm getting old. All <laughs> downhill. No, you're not. Oh, silly. Um, just asking to clarify here a little bit. Um, when you say just natural boundaries and natural consequences. So he says, that, you know what? I don't. I don't need help. It's not my issue. That kind of thing. So you as the wife is like, okay, fine. I'm bleeding internally. I'm going to go get help. What other natural, so you tell them that you make it very clear. What other natural boundaries, if you could give some examples perhaps of what I would put in place in the meantime, like I know we talked about, yeah, definitely pray, join a, join a group, get support that way. Cause you, you're hurting and have pain as well. So you need healing in that for sure. What else could I do in the meantime? or to set those boundaries, to make it very clear, like what boundaries are we talking about here? Well, I mean, it it depends, doesn't it, on your situation, because some guys do become hypersexual and they want you to imitate what they've been watching and they're sort of coercing you and pressuring you into things that you don't want to do. You know, don't do it. You know, if if you start to join the dots and think, ah, oh, that's why he's doing that. And, and I've always been uncomfortable about this. It's just, you say no. And even if, you know, if if you suspect that he is using you literally he's he is not there he is he is actually his mind is completely somewhere else there because he's been accessing stuff you know hours minutes before you, you don't have to do that you know you know in marriage to become one you know and this is you know what he's bringing into the marriage bed will pollute you too and and you don't have to do that you know i don't want to come out and do a blanket you know right statement about never have sex with your husband but if your all your instincts are think about the reason you're having sex with your husband is it because you're feeling emotionally connected and close and valued and heard and all those other things and you want to express your intimacy in a physical way great go for it you know it's it's biblical it's healthy it's joyful however if you're doing it because you a you think it's going to stop him looking at stuff that it, it's just not going to work you know the neuroscience is there it, it's it's nothing to do with us we are not interchangeable. If you're doing it because it's the only time that you ever feel close to him, that's another big red flag. You know, uh, there is there is this emotional intimacy piece that is missing that needs to be put there. And we can talk more about that um, when we get into the recovery. So, yeah, I mean, just just think about those things. And maybe if he looks at it and you know, he, and you've caught him looking at it, maybe you don't want him to sleep in the same room. Maybe you want him to, you know, leave for a couple of days, put those boundaries in. It's, it's, it's about creating safety for you. Mm -hmm. And then part of the recovery is you actually have it. Um, you actually have it written down. So what safety do I need? And this isn't a, a method of controlling his behavior. It's a method of you proactively thinking through what do I need to feel emotionally, spiritually, physically safe when he's been acting out. Right. And you and you document that and you write it down so that there are consequences. Okay, you're gonna look at pornography in our house. Okay, you're out the house for a week. Uh, you know, that 
that's my boundary. I, I'm not having this in my marriage anymore. You, you know, you won't go to help. I can't stop you. However, I am going to. I don't know. What were your boundaries, Charity? Our boundaries look different now. You know, if there's there's consequences and we have rules set up for slips and relapses, things like that. Now that we've been in recovery for a while, but, um, you know, I didn't have healthy boundaries. Um, it, it was like, you know, he would tell me, hey, you know, I, I messed up. Then it would be like, change, you know, put a lock on the computer. It was things like that um, where we were really trying to control the sin and, you know, really doing more of a sin management kind of thing. And I was uneducated. So I feel like we really didn't have healthy boundaries and I didn't really confront him. I mean, in a healthy way, I don't even really know what that would look like. You know, like we talked about prior to that talking, you know, I hit my husband with a pillow once I found out and a pillow, I mean, is that's healthy. I mean, it's better than a, you know, it's crock pot or something. So, yeah. <laughs> But I do think that there is something to say about standing firm in like, you're not going to allow this into your home. Mm. And that's where, because this is my marriage and my home too. And like Rosie was saying, like, I now stand for a safe home, safe family, safe marriage. And so what that looks like is there's going to be no more of this in our home. And it doesn't mean that he is perfect, but it means that he, I need to start seeing some change. I need to start seeing some growth from him and seeing different results. And in that, that would make me feel safe. But I'm not just going to say, okay. And then you put a lock on my computer anymore. It was like, I had to say like, Hey, you need to change or, um, we can't be married because I know who you are, but I called him out in it. And I said, I know who you are. I know that you're an amazing man. I know that, you know, you love the Lord and and I know who you can be. Mm. So when you're ready to be that person, let me know because that's who I want in our house. And I didn't expect perfection, but I, I needed him to take it enough seriously to go, wow, this is a problem. And I needed, I needed to take it by the handle. And, uh, and I really believe that our brains want to avoid pain. And so if I tell him of a painful situation or a consequence that's going to happen, he's going to not want to do it. And so that's what kind of led us on the recovery journey when he started taking it seriously. When I told him in a, I don't know if you want to say that a healthy way or not, but I kind of gave him the ultimatum of, hey, you either continue living this life or you start working and and we're not going to be together or you start, you know, really digging deep into your roots and, uh, and getting some serious help because this is serious and I need you to start treating it serious. And that's when we started seeing growth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, a question off the top too. Um, I was thinking when you ladies were talking, how often do you bring that up? Like with your boundaries, is it, is there a set kind of, you know, if you lay out these boundaries and you've, you talked about it with him, how often would you re look at them? Well, hopefully it's part of your recovery plan. So you'll have your safety plan in place, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. And so, but it will evolve because um, the, the beautiful thing about recovery is that you, once you start to unpack the layers, once you've got rid of the pornography layers, you might under, you might realize that there's a layer of resentment or anger or something underneath. So your safety plan is always evolving because the boundaries that you need strengthening may change. So it might be, you know, we don't have an issue with pornography anymore. However, if you're going to shout and scream at me, I'm going to, I'm going to have, there's going to be these consequences because you've gone into crazy brain again, and that's not going to be part of our safe, healthy, happy home. So it's more sort of a on demand 
mm. thing that it will evolve, but it, it's all very much to do with your circumstances. Um, but it's really important that you have help in those early days because you're broken and you're you're traumatized and you don't you don't know what your boundaries are. You can't enforce boundaries because you don't even know what your boundaries should be because you're probably feeling really beaten down and like this is all I deserve. You know why should I even? fight for a healthy home it's never going to happen for me and you need other women to go nope this is the way this is how this is what you need to do and you really do just need to lean on them and they do the thinking for you at the beginning just like the guys are going to be doing the thinking for the for him so it really is a team sport which is why we're grateful that you're bringing this you know up on your platform and trying to reach people because as charity said it's really hard to come forward at the beginning and that's totally normal but once you jump in that pool and start realizing that there's loads of other swimmers and they're really nice and they're really normal and they're really friendly and they're really fun and they become your best friends um it's so worth it it really is so worth it and there's nothing worse than being in that cold pool on your own feeling like you're the only one and it's never going to get any better I'm laughing because Charity, you mentioned it already, grabbed a pillow and just started smacking him with it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. Um, But is there a healthy way to, like, how do you even go about, like, hey, hun, how are you? Seen porn on your computer today? Like, how do you even go about, like, because you're so hurt, as you, Rosie, was saying already, right? Like, you're so broken. Yeah. Well, I suggest that you throw us under the bus and say, hey, I've been listening to this podcast. And they said that pornography has this effect on relationships and that there is hope and that, you know, you can give it up. I can get better and stop feeling so, you know, traumatized and hurt and distrustful. And our marriage can be like 300 times better than it ever was. And I want that. And so no judgment because, uh, you know, I do love you and I want to be married to you and I want us to have the best relationship that we possibly can. However, there is a big hole in the boat and I know there's a big hole in the boat and I know you know there's a big hole in the boat and you're really scared about looking at it, but there is a way and the, and I found all these really great resources and can we just look at them together? And then I think what I'd do personally is I'd probably sit down and watch the three-part fight the new drug documentary called Brain Heart World Together. Because that's a really easy way that in like an hour and a half, you've got all the ammunition you ever need for him to go, oh my goodness, didn't realize it did this, didn't realize it could do that, didn't realize there was hope. Okay, where do we go now? What we want as wives, what we desperately want is we want him to go, okay, I'm really, really sorry and I'll give it up and I'll give it up now and I'll never look at it again and I'll never upset you again and I'll never look at another woman again. And I'll, that's what we want because we're so freaked out, we're so traumatized and it's like, be perfect now, be perfect. I need you to be perfect. And but we have to understand that they can't be perfect overnight. You know, they, it's progressive victory over lust. It takes time, which is why it's really hard because you're one person, your main you know, your main person in the whole wide world is the one who's actually hurting you at the moment, which is why we need to outsource that for a little while and get other people to be that support until his brain comes back online, until he starts fully comprehending what he's done, you know, and is able to empathize with the pain and you can come together and build that intimacy. So come alongside him. That would be my big advice. Just like, instead of like that full frontal attack, like you need to stop now because it's really, really freaking me out and it's going to, you know, we're going to get divorced and I've read the statistics and blah, 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 blah. That's one of the reasons why they don't come forward and confess to us because they know that they're going to have a hysterical, you know, crazy wife on their hands. If they said, do you know what, hon? I actually masturbate to pornography twice a day and I've been doing it for 10 years, 20 years. 
you know, I mean, how can they come forward and say that? They can't, you know, you're going to have to find a way to create that bridge, which is like, mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if you're not looking at porn, to be honest, because statistically you probably are. Mm. Um, so the question that you could ask is not, do you struggle with porn? Because in their minds they can go, well, not really. I haven't looked at it for a month. Right. It's like, you, if you can ask the question, you know, we've never really talked about it, but when was the last time you looked at it? You know, mm. and has mm. this been a problem in the past? And, you know, just can we just get everything about our relationship finally out on the table? I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you, I need to know about a porn addiction as a wife, as a woman? Because I know when, you know, I discovered um, pornography in, in my marriage, I, you know, thought, you know, if you really loved me, you'd just give it up, right? He would just stop. Or if I was sexy enough, you know, he would just, you know, because I'm sexy enough, I'm enough for him, right? He would just stop. So is there anything I, as a wife or a, a woman, need to know about pornography? Um, I wish I would have heard this sooner. And the advice would be more sex won't fix the problem. And we got that advice, unfortunately, once Clinton opened up about his um, struggle with pornography. And um, our advice was, you know, become sexy and um, get more creative in the bedroom, you know, and and so that's what I did, you know, and, and then it wasn't working. It was getting worse. And so we just, we went down into a deep, deep shame hole uh, because we're like, man, if, if the advice from a pastor is this and we're still messed up, we're, that means like we're really messed up, you know? So we were just, I wish that I would have had to st- I wish I would have started learning more about the addiction, understanding um, that it is an addiction like Rosie was talking about. And because then I would release it and I'd go, okay, this is not about me. Mm-hmm. I cannot fix it. I cannot be, and I will, you know, I will not be his drug. And, um, and I think that that just helped me uh, so much and give so much compassion and grace for my husband too, which sounds crazy to say that because they've hurt me so much. But when I started understanding the addiction, it started giving me grace for the 11 year old husband that saw pornography the f- for the first time and, when, and was using it as a soothing mechanism. Like I give to my one and a half year old, a binky to soothe him when he's sad, you know, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to this, my 11 year old husband. It wasn't a binky cause he was 11, but it was porn and it was, feeling good and fueling everything and, and solving and soothing and helping him. And, and then it became an addiction, but I didn't realize that I thought it was about me. I thought it was about my body, my looks, I'm not good enough. And I wish I just would have started to understand the addiction like Rosie is, was talking about earlier. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a massive one, isn't it? More, more sex will, will make him stop. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of on the other, the flip side of that, they're also, uh, you know, like 50% of guys, um, actually become sexually avoidant. So there's a lot of women who have been neglected for years, sexually neglected for years, who are like, well, he can't possibly be addicted to porn because he's so not interested in sex. He hasn't been near me for years. And not understanding that, you know, compulsive porn use will condition your brain to prefer pornography than the real thing, which is absolutely devastating. This is not because you're, you know, not as attractive as the the women he's looking at. He really, really wants the women. He's not, it's not actually the women that he's addicted to. It's the thrill. This is a, this is a process addiction. It's those chemicals that are released in his head. Um, you know, and you, as Charity said, you know, 
about, about the more sex. It, it's the same chemical that's released when you gamble. And you wouldn't cure gambling with a suitcase full of cash. You can't cure a porn addiction with, you know, a suitcase, hypothetical, you know, metaphorical of sex. It, it's just not there. And, and uh, the same with... Uh, you know, no sex in the relationship. If there's something going wrong in your bedroom, you know, I just investigate this porn issue. Just see what's going on. Um, yeah, I think they were the main ones. And but also the other big thing that I wish people knew is like, you can get rid of this. You you totally mm -hmm. can get rid of this. This isn't inevitable. This isn't every man's battle they're going to struggle with for the rest of their life. It's something that you have to put up with. Um, and also the other thing that I wish people knew is that it's progressive. So it might feel better in the short term to put your head in the sand and go, do you know what? I'm just not going to deal about deal with this. Okay. He looks at porn, you know, it's not, it's a bit unpleasant, but he's nice to me. And, you know, our sex life is not that bad and blah, 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 blah. Mm. You know, why make waves? It is progressive. So, you know, if someone is addicted, it's going to get worse. They're going to need more of their drug, which means they're going to have to up the ante in either duration or content. And this is how guys get in over their heads down some really deep, dark rabbit holes. I mean, I don't think people start off in this dark stuff. It's just that they need, because their brains become tolerant to what, you know, the drug that they're taking, they need more and more and more and more. So as you, as a wife, I believe, really have a biblical responsibility to to actually throw your husband a lifesaver if he is drowning in this stuff. We really do. And, you know, this is the, I'd say the, you know, Josh McDowell said it's the greatest threat to the cause of Christ. We as women have to, you know, just get out, get over ourselves. Okay. Our husbands look at porn. They all look, no, they don't all look at porn. Huge percentage of guys look at porn. Let's start talking about this. It's not going to kill us, but they really need us when their brains are not working. We are the, you know, marriage to become one. We are the only person in the relationship with a prefrontal cortex that's actually still working correctly. We have to make the decisions. We have to stand firm to, to help him. Nobody else is going to. Nobody else knows it's happening. You can't smell this. You can't see it. We're the only ones that know they're drowning. So, you know, it's really, really hard. And that ultimatum that Charity was talking about, everybody gets to that point. You know, everybody gets to that point, like, I've had enough. And so this is why we are, you know, we are standing here and, and saying, please, please, please take early intervention if you can, if you've got an opportunity to come alongside him and do it calmly and do it compassionately and do it with love and say, can we sort this out, please? I really love you. And it's going to take you down and it's going to take me down. It's going to take the family down. It is. Trust me. Let's watch the video. Um, if, if you have a chance to do that, please do it. Don't wait 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. I work with women in their 70s. You don't have to have this half, half life of a marriage. You really don't. And because, yeah, sorry, I did go off that. No, you I, I like it. I like that. I'm like, woohoo, go girl. <laughs> it's awesome. This has been so, so great. So informative. So awesome. I'm so blessed to be sitting here with you. Um, so we're going to invite Brandon back in. Yeah, I'm, I'm just here to wrap up. Uh, I have nothing to add here, <laughs> but that was wonderful. Thank you, ladies, for for doing this. Um, and we have him back next week, actually. So yeah. please join in with us. We Today, we talked about the discovery component. And next week, we're going to be talking about recovery. 
So what do we do next? So thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking part, be part of the tribe. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks again, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.